Good morning, everyone, and happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe, and thank you for listening. I hope everyone enjoyed the weekend in sports. One of my teams made me very happy, while the other one made me very sad. But I'll get more into that in this episode. Also, I will give my takes on the NBA Finals as my Lakers became the NBA champions of 2020. Also give my takes on Saturday's action in college football, Sunday's action in the NFL week five, and my Monday night prediction. Now without further ado, let's get started. My winning take starts with my Los Angeles Lakers. For the first time in a decade, they are back on top of the basketball world as they won game six, 106 to 93, and was crowned the 2020 NBA champions. The Lakers put on an offensive clinic from the first quarter to the end as they steamrolled the Miami Heat and led by as many as 38 at one point. The defense was strong, led by Anthony Davis, and the role players played a significant role. Rajon Wando was killing it on the, on the offensive side of the ball with 19 points. Cartavius Caldwell-Pope added 17, and Danny Green bounced back with 11. But this effort was led by the king, LeBron James, with a triple-double, 28 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists, and as expected, was named Finals MVP. After the game, LeBron said he won his respect. Of course, he's going to get that from most of the basketball world and fans all over the world. But of course, he's going to have his haters. Some are going to say that this was too easy for him because he didn't have to go through Golden State. didn't have to go through the Clippers. Well, guess what? I disagree with that notion. Because they were played this in a bubble. There was no home court advantage for either team inside this bubble. I mean, Golden State, they got injured. I mean, that's just sports. And the Clippers choked in the playoffs. So, nothing can be done about that. And I think this was the most impressive of the four finals that LeBron has won because of the fact that it was in a bubble, no home court advantage, no fans. And they had to win 16 games to win the NBA championship. And they played some teams with some good players, guys that are going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. I mean, the Portland Trailblazers had Damian Lillard, CJ McCullough, and Carmelo Anthony. The Rockets had James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And the Denver Nuggets are one of the teams of the future with Jamal Murray leading the way. And the Miami Heat is one of the teams of the future as they build a nice team around Jimmy Butler. Now, this is not one of those podcasts where I'm going to go into this Jordan versus LeBron debate, which sports fans can have that till the end of time. But this this doesn't mean that LeBron hasn't made his case for being the GOAT. Now, my man Stephen A. Smith said last week that LeBron can't be the GOAT because he's playing in what he called the softest era in the NBA. 
Now, I will agree to a point that the NBA has gotten soft, but that's not LeBron's fault. The NBA changed the rules because they wanted more scoring. But one can't argue that when LeBron is finished playing basketball, he will have had the greatest career in NBA history. If he decide he wanted to hang it up today, tomorrow, whenever, his legendary status is edged in stone. And I know one Kobe Bean Bryant is looking down, smiling at him and the Los Angeles Lakers. Now let's switch gears to college football Saturday. The theme of this past Saturday needs to be great offenses or terrible defenses. There were quite a few high-scoring games on Saturday, including three in the SEC Conference, which normally prides itself on being a good defensive conference as compared to the Big 12, who can't spell defense. Missouri Tigers upset the LSU Tigers 45 to 41 in a shootout, which this game was moved due to concerns of the hurricane that was going to hit Louisiana. After the game, LSU coach Ed Orgeron acknowledged how bad his defense are and how it needs to be fixed. Now, the Texas A&M Aggies upset number four Florida 41-38 on a game-winning field goal. This was Jimbo Fisher's first big win against a ranked opponent since he arrived in College Station. And their quarterback, Kellen Maud, played his best game as an Aggie, passing for 338 yards and three touchdowns. Alabama was in a surprising shootout with the Ole Miss Rebels, but pulled it out 63-48. to You gotta give kudos to Rebels head coach Lane Giffen, Kiffin, a former Saban assistant. He gave Nick Saban his best shot. His offense racked up over 600 yards in total offense. Now that's unusual for a Nick Saban coach defense to give up 600 yards. Teams are lucky if they even get 250 yards in total offense. But the Achilles heel of the Rebels has was there is their atrocious defense, and it was on display again this past Saturday. As running back Najee Harris rushed for 206 yards and five touchdowns, while quarterback Mac Jones passed for 417 yards and two touchdowns. Well, it's again. Nick Saban beats another assistant, basically telling, telling them that the SEC is my world and you guys are just living in it. Now on to the Georgia-Tennessee game. As correctly predicted, Georgia won the game. Of course, a larger margin than I thought it would be, 44-21. to 21. Now, Tennessee hung in there for a half. I mean, they stopped Georgia twice on fourth down, including one at the goal line to end the half. Now, Jared Geronimo threw two big touchdown passes in the second quarter, but produced nothing in the second half. The Georgia defense is as good as its reputation, 
as they shut out the Volunteers, giving up no points in the second half. The offense slowly but surely scored, scored some points, and their defense came up with two turnovers to put the game away. Now, as for quarterback Geronimo, he is what I said he was. Just a game manager. I mean, he could not beat the Bulldogs with his arm after the running game was completely shut down. Now to the ACC, where Clemson showed why they are the top dog in the ACC and the number one team in the country as they steamrolled the Miami Hurricanes 42-17. Now, I did predict that Clemson would tee off on them in the second half, and they did just that. After Miami, Hurricanes did hung in there in the first half, but of course that was to do to one bad mistake by Coach Dabble Sweeney when he decided to kick a long field goal, and it was blocked, and the Hurricanes picked it up for a touchdown to cut the lead to 11. But be that as it may, Trevor Lawrence passed for 292 yards and three touchdowns, and Travis Etienne rushed for 149 yards and two touchdowns. It was clearly obvious that the Miami Hurricanes were out of their element against the Clemson Tigers. I mean, the only good, the only running game they had was their quarterback, the Eric King. But besides that, nothing. Now, has the UNC Tar Heels emerged as a threat to Clemson? Well, they defeated Virginia Tech 56-45 as correctly predicted, even though I didn't was not expecting as many points from either team. The Tar Heels running game produced over 400 yards rushing, including 214 yards from Michael Carter and Sam Howell, the quarterback, produced 250 seven yards and two touch and three touchdowns. Now I need to see more from UNC before I would even consider them a threat to Clemson. Maybe we might see these two meet up in the ACC championship in December, but that remains to be seen. Now let's switch gears to the NFL and I will start with the upset of Sunday. The Las Vegas Raiders outlasted the Kansas City Chiefs 40-32. Throughout the first half, the Raiders counterpunched the Chiefs' scorn with scoring drives of their own. Derek Carr threw two big touchdown bombs in the second quarter, one to Aguilar for 59 yards and a 72-yarder to the rookie speedster Henry Ruggs. The game was tied at halftime at 24-all. But in the second half, the Raiders' defense stifled the Chiefs' offense, much to my and probably a lot of people's surprise. Now, as as you've heard in my previous podcast, I've been killing the Raiders the past three weeks because of their poor defensive showing. I've even questioned whether John Gruden should be making changes on his defensive coaching staff and even giving Guntner his walking papers. But I got to give kudos to the Raiders' defense for 
holding the Chiefs in check. I mean, they were getting to Patrick Mahomes, getting him off of his um, comfort zone, and even got themselves a turnover. But the offense did what you need to do against the Kansas City Chiefs. Ball control, use the clock as your friend, keep Patrick Mahomes on that sideline, limiting the amount of times you see him on the field. So I got to give kudos to John Gruden for for great defensive um, game plan and probably his best win since returning to the sidelines three years ago. Now, will the Raiders go up from here? It remains to be seen. Another surprise yesterday was the Cleveland Browns outlasting the Indianapolis Colts 32-23. Baker Mayfield had a decent game, 247 yards, two touchdowns, but also two picks. The defense got two interceptions off Phillip Rivers, you know, rattling his cage and showing the bad Rivers, which that's something the Colts are going to have to be mindful of which rivers you're going to get the good rivers or the bad one but this was a good win for the Cleveland Browns over a winning team but as I stated the Browns are going to have to win division games for me to consider them a serious contender but they have a chance next Sunday to prove that against the 4-0 Pittsburgh Steelers who won again over their their in-state rival, the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, for the game that made me sad. And that's my San Francisco 49ers. This was the worst loss since the rebuilding years. Because, you know, last year we only lost three games. And only lost that game, those games, by one score. And because of one play. This year, through five weeks, we've already lost three games. This was a total team failure on the part of my 49ers, from the players to the coaching. Now, should Kyle Shanahan have put Jimmy G out there? I would say that's a that's really a hard one to answer because. While Jimmy G did struggle yesterday, I'm not going to put this all on him. So sorry, sorry, Jimmy G haters. I'm not putting this all on Jimmy G, even though he does bear some responsibility because he did throw two bad interceptions. But anybody that watched that game and look at those interceptions, look at what he was. He was under the rest for for a good part of that game in the first half. I mean, he was getting hit. He was getting sacked. So the pass protection failed him. While the running game was good with um, Raheem Moster, the pass protection let Jimmy G down. I mean, Mike McGlinchey, this is his third year in this offense, and he's getting and he's getting toasted. Dan Brinskill, he's getting toasted. I mean, Trent Williams has been average, but I'll give him a slight pass because 
He hasn't played in a year. And of course, C.J. Bether didn't do much better. So, Kyle Shanahan is going to have to take a hard, a good, long, hard look at what's gone wrong. I believe it's the offensive line that's holding my 49ers back from being the team that they were last year. Now, the defense has been good but not great, even though it didn't show yesterday. Ryan Fitzpatrick basically torched them, but to be fair, they were playing against with a patchwork secondary. And of course, the pass rush is nowhere near where it was last year, but of course, that's due to season ending injury to Nick Bosa and D Ford not being out there. So. I don't. I think the season's far from over yet, so I don't. Not counting my 49ers out, and I'm not gonna go saying that the Super Bowl hangover has, is showing up. But the revenge tour is on the line this coming Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams, who are four and one, and this isn't a, a division game, and they're one behind after losing the opener to the Arizona Cardinals. And right now, the way that offensive line is playing, the best defensive player in the NFL, Aaron Donald, is going to have a field day. So, if Jimmy G is going to start this Sunday, Kyle Shanahan has to do a better job in protecting him putting players in position to help Jimmy G and the offense succeed. If he has to, make changes on the offensive line. Now I get um, some reinforcements are coming in the next week or two, but this is a must win. So Need to get it together and get it together fast because also this is the gauntlet now for the 49ers. We got the Rams, we got the Patriots, got the Seahawks, got the Packers and the Saints before the bye week. So if you want to ride the ship, it starts this Sunday. Now, some additional NFL notes. I'm going to start with the Seahawks versus the Minnesota Vikings. Now, the Vikings could have won this game. I mean, they were gashing the Seahawks in the running game. Even when Delvin Cook went out of the ball game, the backup running back was also gashing the Seahawks. Now, they had a fourth down play, fourth down and injures near the goal line. All that dude was kick the field goal and it had been up eight. And you would have to force Russell Wilson to go down the field and at least tie the game rather than beat you. Well, Mike Zimmer decided to go with the fourth down play and was stuffed. 
Me personally, I would have gone for the field goal. I'll take my chances in overtime with the Seahawks. And I take my chances with Russell Wilson tying the game as opposed to beating me in regulation. Well, Russell Wilson did his fourth quarter magic and led the Seahawks down the field and threw the winning touchdown pass to DK Metcalf to beat the Minnesota Vikings. And in other news, the Atlanta Falcons decided to give Dan Quinn and the general manager their walking papers after starting off 0-5 after losing to the Carolina Panthers yesterday. Now, this needed to happen last year. Because the Falcons did nothing to improve this team. Now, the question is going to be asked, will the next coach want to keep Matt Ryan around? Or will he want to draft the quarterback of the future in a post-Matt Ryan Atlanta Falcons team? That's going to be the question going forward as the Falcons will be searching for a new head coach in the offseason. And of course... Some sad news to report. As we know in the NFL, it's a violent sport. Injuries are unavoidable. Dallas quarterback Dak Prescott suffered a nasty ankle injury on Sunday. I mean, if you saw it, it was pretty squeamish. I mean, it was it was ruled a compound fracture in the right ankle of course this season is done but what makes this sad is now he's not going to get the money that he wants if he wants to stay the Dallas Cowboys quarterback going forward as we all know he tried to negotiate a long term deal and get paid up there with the same Salary or even more than Carson Wentz. But a deal could not happen and now he was playing on the franchise tag. So basically, he was betting on himself. Now Jerry Jones can look at this and say, if you want to be the Cowboys franchise quarterback, you got to take less money. And if he doesn't, he gets cut. That's the tough business of the NFL. That's why players are more and more in the past few years using their power to say, I'm either going to get paid or I'm going to sit out. Le'Veon Bell proved that with the Steelers a couple of years back where he basically sat out the whole season and then, of course, was released after the season. You saw Zeke Elliott. He was looking to sit out as well until he got paid. And Dallas came through. The NFL career is three and a half years on average. If a team, if a guy 
last his 10 years in the NFL, he did good. I mean, of course, you have quarterbacks that are lasting longer. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers. But those are rarities. And of course, with the way the rules are with quarterbacks, of course they're going to last longer. So, I just want to save for Dak Prescott. Hope you have a speedy recovery and return back to the field. Now I'm going to end with the Monday night matchup between the Los Angeles Chargers and the New Orleans Saints. Now, there was supposed to be two Monday night games tonight the Broncos and the Patriots got moved from Sunday to Monday due to the fact that Patriot players are testing positive for COVID-19 and they had to shut down the facilities well it got moved again to next Sunday so now we only have one Monday night game so back to normal there Now, this should be a pretty good matchup. I mean, you got the future of the NFL versus the present. Justin Herbert versus Drew Brees. Now, last Sunday, Justin Herbert went toe-to-toe with the future Hall of Famer, Tom Brady, but was not able to close the deal. As Tom Brady led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back from 17 down to defeat Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers. Now the question is going to be asked, can the Chargers duplicate what they did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but instead finish the job? Now, Michael Thomas is going to be out again for the New Orleans Saints, but this time it's not because of the ankle injury that he suffered three weeks ago. It's because of a fight that he got in practice with a teammate. So once again, Alvin Kamara is going to be counted on to run and catch the football. Now, when that guy, when it's time for him to get paid, he, he might he, he might take the Le'Veon Bell approach. I'm going to want to get paid like a running back and a receiver at the rate that he's going. But I'm going to have to go with the Saints here only because right now they have the better quarterback and they have the better defense. Even though I think Justin Herbert can do some damage against the secondary of the of the Saints. I think the Saints front seven is going to do enough to slow him down. And I believe Drew Brees will win will win this matchup at the end of the game with a field goal. So I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints 30 to 27.
in another shootout between the young gun and the present. Now, this will conclude this episode of Sports Tapes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening and also for downloading. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple, and other podcast platforms. And you can follow me on Twitter at GG. Sports 13. Thank you again for listening. And I will talk to you on Tuesday. Have a good rest of the day.